0: Good to see you this morning glad that you're here and uh, we're glad um, the goucher from um, cross creek uh, town just left me uh, olive branch there you go that should be easy to remember uh is here with us this morning. she'll be sharing with us at eleven o'clock so uh, we're looking forward to that and um the, just a few announcements in your bulletin. Remember, camp is coming up quickly. Um, pre-registration um, ends on May 8th, which is two weeks from today. Um, so get your kids registered if you need uh, forms. Uh, get them to me and then turn your forms in to me uh, by the 8th so I can get everybody registered church churches. We have in our budget to pay for our kids to go to camp. So. Um, get those forms to me so I can get them in, and we especially need workers all three of those weeks. Uh, they need uh, helpers in the kitchen, and helpers to teach classes, and helpers for the dorms, and so if you'd be interested in taking a week and going to camp, uh, lower elementary camp is only four days, so that's not even a whole week, so uh, it starts on Sunday, ends on on Wednesday, so... Um, Consider doing that if you're interested in that. The forums are online uh, at the Morgan Wood uh, Camp website. So, well, I want to thank everybody for uh, your help with the state meeting. and uh, I think it turned out really well. And we had good attendance and uh, good representation um, from our church. I was a little sad that more churches from Mississippi didn't show up, but uh, those that were here had a good time. And uh, that was largely in part to your hard work, and I so appreciate that. So, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 8. Working our way through uh, the book of Revelation, and remember that this book is written as an encouragement to the church Uh, that was going through great persecution. Uh, But it was also uh, written to challenge the churches. Remember, it starts uh, in chapter 2 with uh, Jesus addressing the seven churches of Asia, which you'll remember represents all the church, uh, the the church universal. And there's parts of, of all of our church and messages from all seven of those churches that every church needs to... Uh, take notice of, and uh, sometimes and it's that way in church, it's that way in our Christian life that sometimes just life happens and we get busy, uh, and the Lord gets pushed out or put gets pushed to the peripheral of our life and and that's not good when that happens our our love and our fervor for the Lord grows cold, uh, just like it happened at the church at Ephesus uh, and so, God is concerned that we would remain uh, on fire for Him and close in our walk with Him. And as we're going through these chapters now, chapter 7 kind of gave us an introduction um, to uh, the tribulation and, and judgment and difficult days that are ahead uh, on earth. And there's a lot of different views about how that's all going to uh, play out. Um, I. Kind of tongue in cheek, say, you know, I'm kind of a a pan millennialist. I believe that things are going to pan out in the end, uh, how God intends for them to pan out, uh, regardless of our charts and, you know, our our figure and our, um, you know, thinking about how these things are going to work out. Though I do believe uh, that God gave this vision to uh, John to remind us that he's coming back. And For those that are not living for him, him coming back is not going to be a good thing. Um, And for those of his children that are not where they ought to be with him, it's not going to be a good thing. Uh, And so that's what we're seeing in these chapters that we're going to begin looking at today in chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11. Really talk about uh, the time of judgment and tribulation. Uh, And so let's take a look. We're going to begin reading in verse 6 of chapter 8. Uh, this morning. It says, so then, seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. And then the third angel sounded. And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the water became Wormwood. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. And then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of them were darkened and a third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. But I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound? Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven and earth. To him given uh, was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit, and like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened uh, because of the smoke of the pit. And then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shapes of the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads were crowns of something like gold. And their faces were like faces of men. And they had hair like women's hair. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. And they had, as kings over them, the the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, the name is Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still more woes are coming after these things. And then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now, the number of the army of horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. And by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, an idol of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. What interesting uh, picture that John uh, sees here. And uh, there are a lot of things that we could unpack uh, just in uh, these uh, few verses uh, that we find here. And um, So we need to remember that um, you know, this is indeed uh, poetry, it's an allegory, it's figurative language, but it's figurative language that's used, number one, to serve a point, but then number two is used to connect with the Old Testament. And as we read through some of those figures and some of the colors and different things that, that take place as these trumpets sound, it should sound familiar to us to some degree because much of it uh, pulls us back and refers back to things that are mentioned in Ezekiel and several things from the book of Exodus. Uh, Several of the uh, judgments here kind of mirror or remind us of the ten plagues that God sent uh, to Egypt uh, when he judged Pharaoh and he, he wouldn't let his people go. Um... And then promises that God had made during the, the time of, of Jeremiah and Ezekiel where God has reminded them, Hey, listen, you've left me and I'm going to send judgment and there's going to be trouble uh, on the earth. And though we think we know trouble, uh, and there have been all kinds of people that say, You know what, The uh, these things have have taken place or are taking place before our eyes, as bad as things are in this world, I don't think we've seen anything near as bad as what's going to see when Re- the time comes when Revelation chapter 8 and 9 are ready to take place. Uh, so, and there's lots of bad things going on in our world. We have lots of devastation, we have drought, we have war, we have all kinds of just crazy stuff going on in our world all of that pales in comparison to what it's going to be when God begins to judge this world. And so, a few things that I wanted to remind us as we think about these uh, couple chapters. And the first is this, that we see all of creation has been impacted by sin. Every corner of it. It was mankind that, that sinned. It was Adam and Eve that sinned, but every part of creation has been affected by their sin and subsequently mankind's sin since then. That the the fall of mankind impacted nature. It impacted wildlife. It impacted water. Remember, as God created the heavens and the earth and the animals and the, you know, the fish, the birds, what did he say? He said, this is good stuff. And you remember he said to Adam, he said, I want you to have dominion over creation and multiply, fill the earth. He gives that instruction. And sin took the beauty and the goodness that God has created and marred it. ugly and so now we have polluted rivers Uh, there's still some uh, streams uh, a few rivers uh, a little bit of beach where you can look at and you can actually see clear water but those places are few and far between Uh, we drove across the pearl river yesterday we took Hannah out to eat last night and we drove over the pearl river it's nasty looking uh of course right now it's flooded. It's over its banks because we've had a, a good bit of rain. But it's dark and it's just yucky looking because it's got. Uh, and that is such a great illustration of what um, sin has done to this world. There are, uh, not so much in Mississippi, but in large cities. If you've ever been to washington, d c. or Los Angeles or some some major major city, You look up, oftentimes you don't see blue sky. You see a gray, greenish, yucky-looking haze that's pollution. Everything has been affected by sin, and everything, by the way, is going to be affected, because it's been affected by sin, it's going to be affected by judgment. And so we find here that, know, no one is exempt from being affected by the fall and impacted by sin. And we know, we see it with our own eyes every day how destructive sin is. Though it allures and it looks pretty and shiny and it promises wealth and it promises prosperity, it brings death 100% of the time. God takes sin very seriously. Hundreds of times throughout Scripture, the Old and New Testament, God's people are admonished, ordered, commanded to be holy. For God is holy. And out of all the attributes of God, his number one attribute that really all the rest flows from is his holiness. He loves because he's holy. And he's just because he's holy. And sin is an affront. It's an attack on God's holiness. And it's an attack that's been going on for a long, long time. And here we begin to see that God is ultimately going to have victory over it. And so we need to understand first that all of creation has been impacted by the curse of sin. But here's the second thing that I want you to notice is that God's judgment of sin is great. As God begins to pour out this this judgment and bring this tribulation, a third of the sea is destroyed. A third of humanity is killed and right now that's You know, there's about 8 billion people, but we're going to round it up to 9 billion because that's easily divisible by 3. 3 billion people killed. You can't even fathom that. So we find these kind of four not good uh, judgments and that sin had... It is about to be judged, and so you know the waters are poisoned. Um, you know, anything that was green it was destroyed. So that means all the color in the world was gone, so many trees killed by these locusts and uh, locusts came and you know had uh, what vivid imagery that lion's teeth on these locusts and women's hair and when their wings flapped it sounded like horses and chariots Um, and you know and they had tails like scorpions Uh, you know I've never been stung by a scorpion but I've known some people that have and you know what they say it hurts, uh, and so and they're not usually very big. They're you know usually pretty small, and but they hurt, and they can be deadly. Here, though, God's judgment was. He said that they're going to be in so much pain that they're going to want to die, but they're not going to. In other words, they're going to be in a excruciating miserable pain they're, they're, they're going to want to end their life but it's, it's not going to they're not going to be able to and so these, and John pauses and they say you know what John these four pretty bad they said you just wait because there's three more coming and they're even worse And so the bottomless pit is open and there's all this smoke coming out of it and these locusts climb out of it and do all this damage. And a third of mankind uh, is killed. Others are tormented. But here's the thing. I think verses 20 and 21 are, are very telling of the condition that mankind is in. Said though they saw all of this devastation and death, and they knew why it was coming. Verse 20 says, The rest of mankind, those that weren't killed by these plagues, did not repent of the work of their hands. They sh- continue to worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood and remember that was ultimately the straw that broke the camel's back you know that was you, you know god judged very severely the nation of israel for their idolatry and for a long time the nation of israel finally had learned their lesson but apparently some generations went through and you know what? Mankind has been worshiping idols since the beginning, just about. I said, hey, preacher! I don't have no Buddha sitting on my shelf. I don't have... Hannah will probably tell us about the god shelves that many Japanese people have in their homes uh, to their Shinto gods, and they place fruit there, you know, and clap their hands. and Guess what? When they get up this morning, that fruit's still there. It's probably a little bit dried out. And their Shinto gods don't hear them. Why? Because they're not real. They can't see, they can't hear, they can't do anything. And yet the God of the Bible is a God that can hear and he does see and he does move. Sometimes he moves in love and great and it's good when he moves. But then there's times when he has to bring judgment and punishment, and it's not good. Uh, you know, no kid enjoys getting a whooping or, you know, uh, being punished. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, when you've got a teenager, and you still whip them, but, you know, they're probably strong enough. It? You know, they'll cry just so you, they, you think you've hurt them, but you really haven't. But you take away their phone for a month? Or you take away their PlayStation or their Xbox? And say, hadn't the world ended? Yeah. You know, that's a, oh my goodness, how horrible. And yet, no punishment that we can endure on earth even comes close to comparing with what God is going to dish out. Because his punishment of sin is great. purpose of punishment is not hurt or pain it's to teach the child not to do it again Your daughter, to, to teach them a lesson and so God said you know what uh, what's it going to take how bad are things going to have to get He says, you know what, not only did they continue in their idolatry, but they continued in their evil deeds, their murders and their sorceries, their sexual immoralities, and their thieving. It's an interesting list, and it's quite a varied list, isn't it? And it ought to remind us that God doesn't degree sin, and there's not some that are better than others, and if you commit some, hey, you're okay, and if you commit others, you're, you're in big trouble. No. Sin is sin, and God says the penalty for sin is death. But he also reminds us that there's a cure for that penalty. And we celebrated it last Sunday and last Friday. That God so loved us that he came and he paid my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all the world that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Well, what shall they be saved from? You know what? Salvation is, uh, you know, about eternity. And it does impact our eternity. But I want to remind us that our salvation affects us here and now as well. That, yes, our eternal destination has changed, but in this life, we're changed and we're forgiven And we're indwelled by an almighty God. That we've become his children. And he, as we sang that that great hymn, he leads us along. Sometimes in paths we don't really want to walk down. But here's the thing, if God asks us to walk down a path with him, he'll go with us. And he'll be near us. So we need to understand that all of creation including every human being, is impacted by sin. And then secondly, we need to be convinced that God's penalty for sin is very great. And I hope by now, if you weren't convinced of it before, you are now, but I suspect you were convinced of it before then. But here's the point, and that's the last point of the sermon this morning is that all Christians are called to warn others. If we truly understand that the Bible is true and it's real, and we believe however it's going to pan out, however the book of Revelation works itself out, we understand the reality is that God is going to judge sin. And those that have not repented and trusted in the atoning work of Jesus Christ are going to suffer an eternal and painful judgment by God, then we have a responsibility to warn them. And so much of what we've read in these two chapters come from the book of Ezekiel, later, later chapters of Ezekiel. But I got to thinking as I was preparing for this message about the beginning of the book of Ezekiel. And I want to call your attention to Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, and this is what it says. At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. But if... And if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give them no warning, nor speak to warn of the wicked from their wicked way, in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But of his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require of you. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live. Because he took warning. And you have delivered your soul. And so what a tremendous reminder that God expects us to be sharing God's love and the gospel message with others. Why? Why do we send Hannah and men and women like her across the globe to tell people that have never even heard the name Jesus or seen a Bible, why do we send them? It costs a lot of money to send missionaries. My goodness, we could save a ton by not sending missionaries. So why do we? Because we believe and understand the reality is without Jesus, people are going to end up in a real, eternal place of torment called hell. And we believe that it's such a horrible place, we don't want even people we've never heard of going there. And we don't even want our worst enemies to go there. We want them to find forgiveness and new life in Christ. Jesus repeats this message twice to John. He said, listen, or or to Ezekiel here in Ezekiel chapter 3 but I think it comes through in in John and Revelation. He says, listen, God's repeated it here in in these few verses that we read. If someone sins, they're going to die and they're going to be held accountable for their sin. But if you have not warned them, their blood is going to be on your hands. Because I sent you, I gave you that responsibility and you kept your mouth shut. And so you're just as bad. If Leslie decides to rob a bank and she takes a gun, she goes into the bank and says, give me, you know, your money. And I know she's going to do it. And I don't stop her and I don't tell her hey, you better not do that, then you better believe that the police are going to cut after me too. She, don't worry, she's not going to rob a bank. But, so we're accountable, and, and that gives a, 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 helps us to see. And so God takes that command very seriously. So seriously, he repeats it to Ezekiel twice. But then the second time he gives that warning, he says, Listen, if they hear you, they have forgiveness and righteousness and new life. And how wonderful that is. And so God gives us this challenge in Revelation uh, through the beginning of this tribulation period A reminder that, listen, God's judgment is very serious. It is a dark thing. It is a grave thing. It's something we do not want to go through. And so we better be sure that our relationship with Jesus Christ is where it needs to be. And we're close to Him. And our love for Him glows hot. But then secondly, if our love for Christ is growing hot and, and we're serving him and where we ought to be, we're also warning others. People here at home are family members and our neighbors, and we're making sure we're giving to home mission to church planners here in America, and we're giving to international missions so that we can send uh, women and men uh, around the world so here in our Bible belt, where we live, in Mississippi is kind of the buckle of the I mean, there's churches everywhere in Mississippi. And it's hard for us to fathom that there are thousands and thousands of people groups around the world that are unreached, which means they've not been presented the gospel. And Han's going to share with us about the astronomical number of people in Japan that have never been presented the gospel. Now I'm thankful we have some missionaries there. There's some other church groups that have missionaries there. And we need a whole lot more. There are millions and millions of people that are headed for hell. And they're absolutely hopeless without Christ. But with Christ, God will deliver them. And God will give them new life, an eternal life, and joy, and hope. So, And that's only found in Christ. And so Revelation chapters 8 and 9 are a reminder to the church that, hey, listen, sin is serious, and you better do your best to, with God's help to keep it out. But you better make sure that that message is able to be shared. Even after these great judgments, though, so many didn't repent. They kept on. The power and the draw and the curse of sin is so great that only the blood of Jesus can overcome it. But praise God, the blood of Jesus can overcome it. And he can give new life. So what's it going to take? It's going to take God's people living for Jesus and sharing the message of Jesus. That's what it's going to take. I hope God will help us remember that. So let's stand together. and We'll be dismissed for Sunday school this morning.